Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Today marks the start to the season of Advent, a four-week period of time when we take our place with ancestors in the past in waiting for the birth of the Messiah. Unlike those who lived long ago, who experienced centuries in between the moment of the promise and its fulfillment, our time of waiting has a clearly defined ending, four weeks with the certainty that once again we'll be able to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Yet even with that part of this journey that is clear and precise for us, there remain aspects of the promise of Jesus for which we continue to wait. For it was 21 centuries ago that the heavenly hosts in the sky over Bethlehem proclaimed glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And it is the peace that Christ brings that we still need as we gather on this first Sunday of Advent. Our Old Testament reading points to that promise as it was articulated long ago by the beloved King David. I was glad, he said, when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. In that era, there was only one place where one would find the house of the Lord, and that was in Jerusalem, the very city that David had made the capital of Israel and the place where he had brought the Ark of the Covenant to center the worship life of those people as well. David is celebrating now this pilgrimage of faith that allows him, as he says, to stand within the gates of Jerusalem. Peace be with you. Peace be within these walls, he prayed. Now, in the most literal way of hearing those words, that hope that David articulated long ago still has gone unfulfilled. Anyone who goes to modern-day Jerusalem will immediately recognize the military presence and the uneasy peace that is present in that holy city. And yet David's words did not speak only to his longing for that particular community. He was not speaking only to that time three millennia ago. Rather, he was speaking much broader than that. As he goes on to say, for the sake of my friends and relatives, I will say, peace be within you. And it is that gift that we still need. I see that need in particular 
has something that has been missing from or only occasionally present within our schools. This has been a painful year for students and teachers, for staff and administrators, and not only in our immediate vicinity. Just this week, I read of how there are some districts across the country who are adding to the calendar mental health days because they know already the strain that is present within their schools, and we're only three months into this new year. And yet for me in particular, the place where I see the need for peace is in the schools where my children were educated and where my wife works in the Central Bucks School District. During 2021, I have listened to more school board meetings than I have in the entirety of the 17 years that preceded it. More particularly, I have listened to the time of public comment that has occurred at the Central Bucks School Board meetings. It really began in the spring when there was still this uncertainty and longing to return to in-person instruction in the classroom. And so in those early meetings, I would hear passionate and well-articulated appeals. I would hear disagreement about where things currently stood and asking for change. And all of those responses were appropriate. They were part of what the public has a desire to call for and what the elected officials need to hear. And yet in recent months, it has turned ugly. There has been an open disparagement of elected officials questioning their motives and their integrity. There has been a dismissal of local health experts. There's been at least one assault that I'm aware of of someone who had a different opinion about what needed to be done. There at the most recent school board meeting, the public, at part of its hearing, articulated words of hate, open hate, against Jews and transgendered students. A member of our school board resigned after death threats and then just 12 days ago, one of the local high schools went in lockdown because of a bomb threat and another call that spoke of an active shooter that would be on campus. As it turned out, thankfully, both of those warnings proved to be false. On the same day that those dual threats were called in, Abe Lukabaugh, superintendent of the Central Bucks Schools, offered a statement. He began with words of praise for all those at the school for their professionalism, the care with which they carried out those instructions. He reiterated the, the priority of caring for all the students in the district, and then he stepped back 
and talked about some of the larger themes that have been happening here in recent months. Right now, he said, our community is struggling. In June, we felt a sense of hope that normalcy was upon us once more. As summer came, that hope was buoyed, only to evaporate in late August. As news of mandates and other measures reopened wounds that had only just begun to heal. Debates over masking, health and safety plans, vaccinations, curriculum, mental health, and more quickly filled the space of public meetings, often reflective of the discord, frustration, and exhaustion within our community and our larger society. We are at a critical intersection as a community and a district, he goes on. If we are to preserve this proud community of ours, it will require our collective thinking, our wisdom, and our shared willingness to restore us. It will require us to quell the vitriol, the judgment, and the incivility. It will require us to look within and rediscover that the strength of this community is still and will forever be found in its people, all its people. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Absolutely. We need to pray for that troubled community and our own, but more is needed too. Our New Testament reading offers instruction from Jesus that I think directly relates to this whole matter. And it comes literally just minutes after his triumph entry into Jerusalem. As the crowds are just beginning to quiet down, Luke tells us that as Jesus came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus is talking about how this community has failed to recognize in him the gift that God had sent and spoke of the need for change, for a different human response. He goes on in that moment to offer a foreshadowing of the destruction that will come to Jerusalem just decades after Jesus breathes his last. And certainly part of the emotion that he is demonstrating in that moment is his own awareness of what is happening, what will occur in the days that follow. And yet, in those words, he speaks of what could have been done then and what still can be done now. If only, he said, even you had recognized on this day the things that make for peace. Words that suggest to me that there is a very personal, individual response that will be required to bring about that kind of existence. As part of my recovery process recently, I developed a new favorite podcast. It comes from Kelly Corrigan Wonders. She is a writer and a native of Radford, PA. 
who expresses this sense of curiosity about the world around her, us and wanting to learn more about it. In the episode that aired the week before Thanksgiving, a time that we know always has the potential for some bad behavior as individuals come together who aren't ordinarily around the same table. She offered some words of counsel, not only for that event, but I think beyond it. She says how she is reacting to an interview she had had with a man who had been incarcerated for 28 years and been on death row all that time for a crime he did not commit. And how when she first met him and began to hear his story, she learned that he wasn't feel, filled with resentment or anger, but instead he espoused this spirit of forgiveness. His name is Anthony Ray Hinton. You can read his story online. And so it's in response to that that she offered a beautiful essay about the need for forgiveness. And she began in this way. The holidays are a time to keep forgiveness handy like throat lozenges during flu season. Family, she says, defined here as unchosen relationships without end, requires forgiveness beyond a cold and exacting deconstruction of grievances. The forgiveness we ask for and offer in perfect conditions is casual, spontaneous, and possibly beyond merit. She then goes on in this essay and talks about forgiveness as it relates to all kinds of family relationships. Uh, it is too long for me to share in its entirety, but I encourage you to find it and listen to it yourself, as I want to offer some of what she said. We forgive our parents for being wrong about us in so many ways for seeing some things and not others, for looking at us that way they do, or embarrassing us in front of our friends, for repeating themselves and needing so much help setting up the internet router. <laughs> we forgive our siblings for staining the sweater, losing the sleeping bag, stealing the girl, for marrying better, for earning more, for hating the politicians we love, for not seeing us as the adults we've become, for holding us hostage over that one time we said that one thing. We forgive our spouses for making that noise when they chew, for being overly solicitous of the neighbor lady who has been so rude to us, for being better than us at cooking, spreadsheets, sanity, in front of our children, no less, for only being part of what we need. We forgive our children for taking out their phone when Nana is telling a story, for getting out of the car without bringing in any of the bags, for scaring us 
with developmentally appropriate but still dreadful risk-taking for only calling when they are in a bad mood or need money. We forgive ourselves, she said, for being tired, hangry, absent, or critical, for underreacting or overreacting, for caring about what people think and commenting on our children's appearance too much, for abandoning the parental pledge of transcendence and going hardcore human on our children. And after that amazing litany, she then concludes, such sprawling, persistent deficiency, ours, theirs, ever more varieties and degrees as each new day passes, to be acknowledged, to be pardoned, and yet we do. Sometimes, sometimes we look past, we let go. Sometimes they say, no worries, don't give it another thought. Sometimes we laugh about our stubborn, shared human limitations. So this year, she concludes, may this circular amnesty, this interpersonal grace, this ongoing acceptance of our ordinariness and theirs be our holiday's miraculous North Star. Where do we begin? Where does peace start? It begins in our heart and in our mind. It begins in our speaking and in our listening. It begins in how we respond to those whom we love and those who spew hatred. In other words, it begins with us. And on this first Sunday in the season of Advent, as we await once more the Prince of Peace, may we begin that ever more critical work right now. Let us pray. Gracious God, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.